Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if, if, he had to write that, if, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. We are his house. And we are familiar with 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And there's two ways to look at this, and I believe both are true. One of them is that we as the body of Christ overall are the house of God. And I believe here in 1 Corinthians 3, he's talking about corporate body. But in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, I believe he's talking about individual members. Each of us as members of the body are the house of God, the temple of God? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who was in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You and I are the house of God, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And because we understand this revelation, that we who are born again are the temple of the living God, then we can go back And many things that we read in the Old Testament about the tabernacle, about the temple, can bring great light and understanding to God's ultimate plan in our lives today. And we're going to look at some of this tonight. In our minds, if we can make this connection, we're going to see, we're going to come to realize that we are the dwelling place of His glory We are the dwelling place of his presence. It's what we were created to be. It's what we were made for, to house his glory, to house his presence. You are wired for this. Hallelujah. We were built for his glory, to house his presence. Amen? And I want to just say something here. I'm just throwing this in here. It's free. I'm not going to charge you for this one. But I've heard preachers and teachers making a big mistake of not making the main thing the main thing, but making it something else. We have to be very careful here. For example, they say God's biggest desire is to get his authority back to us. Or here's another one. The main thing God is trying to restore, what man lost in the garden, was his dominion. Now, Those things are fruit of the main thing. They're just not the main thing. I I say this to our church all the time. There's only one thing that God wants from you. I, I believe in breaking things down and making it simple. So I say to our people, there's only one thing, just one thing. Can you say one thing? Everybody say one thing. One thing that God wants from you. And I, I used to say, well, you know what it is. Well, they all know now, so they answer. I asked this question in a pastor's conference in November in Istanbul, and I was amazed about how many different answers came, but only one guy got it. What is the one thing 
that God's after? What does he desire? It's your heart. It's your love. It's what he's always been after. But we make it about so many other things. I remember the little Pentecostal church I got filled with the Holy Spirit on Faith Temple on Balt Street in downtown Akron, Ohio in 1975, 48 years ago. We used to sing this song in that little Pentecostal church all the time. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. That's what it's all about. Amen? The war of the enemy against us is primarily a war for our affections, for our attention. His goal, he, what he wants to do is to dilute and defile your affections. It's always been to divert our attention, to redirect our affections on anything other than God. But James 4 says it so well. We cannot flirt with the world and be a friend of God. You can't. But many try. You know, Abraham's life was such a demonstration of what was most important. The man everywhere he went built altars. Why? Worship. It was the center of his walk with God, his life. Should be ours. Amen? Setting our heart, our affections on him is the foundation. It's the starting point for everything else. Amen? So we are the temple of God. We are the house of God. We were created to house his glory and his presence. And today I want us to see the big picture for the moment because it really will reveal again who we are, our purpose in this life. <clears throat> Back to this thought. We can look at Old Testament. We can look at the tabernacle, which was the forerunner of the temple. Moses built the tabernacle. Solomon, David, Solomon built the temple. <clears throat> God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle exactly how God would show it to him in every detail. Why was that so important? He said the same thing to David and to Solomon about the temple that Solomon would build. Why is this so important that everything be exactly like they were shown by God? Because it was a blueprint for what God wanted to reveal for what was to come in us. <clears throat> There's so many details. If we took time to look at the tabernacle and the temple, they give us amazing insight and revelation. But today, I want us to consider just the basic structure of both. They're very similar. And, and to learn what's important for us as believers today to understand. Both the tabernacle and the temple had three main parts in its structure. The outer courts, the holy place inside the outer courts, and the most holy place or the holy of holies. 
in both the tabernacle and the temple, God's presence was only found in the most holy place. You follow me? God's presence was only found in that holy of holies, most holy place. Well, we see this parallel with God's temple today. What did we say God's temple is today? What did the scripture say God's temple is today? We, we are. And the same is true for us. We are three-part being, aren't we? Spirit, soul, and body. God lives in your new recreated spirit. Hallelujah, that most holy place. Then there's your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, which is supposed to be the holy place. Right, guys? And then there's your body, the outer courts. God didn't want to be held up, cooped up in that most holy place. He wanted to flow out from there. This is why the veil of the temple that closed, divided the most holy place from everything else was torn from top to bottom the exact moment that Jesus died on the cross. There's a lot of symbolism here, folks. Mark 15, verses 37 and 38 says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And there's a lot of parallels here. I want, I want us to look in just a moment here in the book of Ezekiel, the vision that he saw that this presence of God, this glory is flowing like a river out of the temple in every direction because God desires that his glory, his presence would be for all people everywhere. We see this pattern all the way back in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. Look at this verse with me, Genesis 2, verse 10. It says, now a river went out, a river, a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there, there, what's there? That's the garden. What's, what's in the garden? That's where God and man walked together. That's man met with God in the garden. Hallelujah. And from there, it parted and became four riverheads. One river flowed into the garden of Eden, that place where God came down met with man, walked with man, and fellowship with man. And that resulted in four river heads, or four rivers flowing out of the garden, representing four directions, north, south, east, and west. This is a picture for us today in the church. This is what we do. We come together, we, we, we gather together like we are tonight to meet up with God. We hear his word, we hear his voice, his spirit renews us, hallelujah. Then we flow out of this place in every direction for the purpose of taking him everywhere we go. His glory, his presence, amen? And Jesus reasserted that when he said in John 7, verse 38, he who believes in me, how many believe on Jesus here tonight? Can I see your hand? Wow, this verse is for you. Because Jesus said, he who believes on me out of his heart will what? Flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Remember that old Pentecostal song? There's a river of life flowing out. We ought to change the words though. There are rivers of life flowing out 
from me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There are rivers of life flowing out from me. Spring up, oh well. You remember that song? You ever heard it before? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and so when you get to Ezekiel, Ezekiel has a vision of the temple, a temple that was never built. It was never meant to be built. It was meant to help bridge what was prophetically demonstrated in the Old Testament to the temple that was to come. It was a voice for us. I, I just want to read a few verses. Ezekiel 47. Let's read a couple verses here. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. And the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. The water flowing under the threshold. I get the picture that you can't keep it in. That this is the glory, the presence of God is on us. Amen? We can't keep it in. We can't just keep it here, folks. We got to take it out. It's combustible. Hallelujah. Verse 2, he brought me out by way of the north gate. Here's this water flowing in every direction from the temple. And led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Hallelujah. Let's go down to verse 8. Verse 8 and 9. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. What's unique about the sea? Y'all should know that. It's salty, right? But when this fresh water flows out from God, and what happens when you mix salty and fresh water together? It all becomes, huh? Salty. Not here. That would be its natural tendency. But see, this is a picture for us in the church. Salt represents sin. We're, to be, we're healed from sin, right? It says that the, the, the waters are healed, right? But what happens often is that the influence of the world gets in the church and that fresh water becomes salty instead of us taking the fresh water out there and bringing healing where there's salt and sin. But God's purpose is seen here. Amen? Fresh water, salty water. I love this next verse, verse 9. And it, it says, and it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a great multitude of fish. Why? Because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the rivers go. Isn't that powerful? I, I, I was thinking the other day, years ago, I was in the police station in Istanbul. 
and it was crowded. There was over a thousand people. They already just crowded, and there was chaos. Nobody takes a number or anything to stand in line. It was just like fight to get to the front, you know. And I'm standing there in all this chaos. I'm thinking, how am I ever going to get up there, you know? And then all of a sudden, I said, God, I'm your temple. I'm your house. Your presence is meant to be in me. And in that moment, it just came on me. Right there in the midst of the chaos. You know how your hair goes up like this? And all over my arms, I'm like, whoa, whoa. And I'm standing there in the midst of this chaos. And I'm looking around thinking, they would all be able to experience the same thing I'm experiencing right now if they just had the knowledge. And I looked over and I saw this young man and, he, and I knew he was demon possessed. And I know if you, if you look a demon possessed person in the eye, you stir him up. The Bible says your eyes are the window to the soul. And I, and I know I've, I've, I've cast demons out of people and there's guys that in the back of the room that are trying not to look at me, you know. <clears throat> and, but anyway, I, I, was, I was thinking, I went, remember the San Diego, you ever been to the San Diego Zoo? San Diego Zoo has this big gorilla area, you know. And I, <laughs> last time I was there, I, went, I had to go to the gorilla section. And there was a sign that says, whatever you do, don't look the male gorilla in the eye. <laughs> so you know what I was doing? <laughs> I could not get that male gorilla to look me in the eye. But I wanted to do that in that police station. I'm thinking, what if we have a scene here? I said, that's exactly what I want. So I want to go over, I went over to that young man, I'm trying to look him in the eye because I wanted to provoke that thing and cast it out. Why? Because I've got rivers inside of me. I got rivers inside of me. God loves that man. He wants him free. But I couldn't get him to look me in the eye. I tried. But we have to understand what we contain, what we, what we have inside of us, who we are. Wherever you work, wherever you study, wherever you shop, you've got the rivers with you. Every time I go back to Turkey, the wheels hit the tarmac, I'm saying, devil, I'm back. And I've got my rivers with me. Hallelujah. I know I don't have the only rivers, but praise God, I'll join mine with anybody else that has them. Amen? But we got rivers inside of us, folks, for healing and making people free. Hallelujah bringing God's presence into the room. That's our task. Amen? So God's glory and God's temple were always connected. If you read the Bible, you don't separate. And there's only one time where you, the glory of God was separated from the temple. And I believe we can learn something from it if we'll look at it. It's in Ezekiel chapter 8. In Ezekiel chapter 8, we see this exception. Ezekiel, the prophet, was in exile in another nation a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. And he's at home in Ezekiel chapter 8, and he has an open vision. And, he, and God takes him to see what was happening in the temple in Jerusalem a thousand miles away. Let's read there. And they were breaking, by the way, the most important commandment that could be broken which was, you shall not have any other God but me. What did I say was the one thing that God wanted? Your complete devotion and love. He doesn't want that to be shared. 
Ezekiel 8, verse 6. Furthermore, God said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again, you will see greater abominations. When Solomon had dedicated this temple that Ezekiel is now seeing in this vision, God responded with the honor of his presence. That's what he does. When we're born again, we're changed on the inside. We become his house, his temple. He honors us with his presence. And that's what happened in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, hallelujah, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Glory to God. In the next chapter, there's no chapters and verses when this was written. It was all together. Let's read the next verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in. How long? Forever. Well, forever ended on September 17th, 592 BC, the day God spoke this to Ezekiel. Here in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 6, when he said, because of their abominations, I had to leave. What can we learn from this today? In churches today, we've not seen the glory of God at the magnitude, I believe, that we've seen in the scriptures. Why? Probably for some of the same reasons. That our hearts, to various degrees, we've allowed to be distracted. We've allowed our affections to be set on other things and not primarily on God. I believe that the last day's final move of God will be when we see more members of the body of Christ begin to step more fully into who they are, who they really are, and God made them to be and draw nearer to God in love and intimacy with Him. And this will result in greater measures of His glory. I love the verse in Romans 8, 19 that says, well, let me read it to you in the Passion Translation. This is so powerful. It says the entire universe... Romans 8, 19, Passion Translation. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Wow. So when we walk out of this place after meeting here with God, the trees are clapping, the birds are singing. There they are. Finally, the redeemed ones, the righteous ones, and the glory is all over them. Amen? Amen. Manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. We know who we are. We're coming with our rivers. Hallelujah. Amen? And they are flowing. Glory to God. That's the picture I wanted you to see tonight because that's who you are. 
if you know him. All of us are called to this, not just one or two special people. Every member of the body of Christ is a house, a temple of God. And I want to just quickly, I want to close here, but I want to give you four things that we're going to see, I'll show you in the scripture, that will be manifest because of the glory increasing on our lives. And the first one is so powerful. The Lord will shake our enemies before us and supernatural doors are going to be opened as the glory increases in our lives. We see this in Haggai chapter 2. Just read quickly some verses. Haggai chapter 2 verses 4 through 7. Yet now be strong Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong Joshua. Be strong you people of Island Church. Be strong. Be strong Son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains on you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. They want him, they just don't know it. We have to help them see him, and they'll want him. And I will fill this temple, this temple, this temple with my glory, says the Lord of hosts. Go down to verse 21 and 22. Speak because of the glory now. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. The enemy will be shaken before us. And God will open supernatural doors. The second manifestation because of the glory that's on us is that a harvest is going to be drawn to us. The theme verse for our Holy Spirit conference this year is Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Have you ever seen that? The deep darkness? Just turn the news on. The deception, the level of deception where they don't even know what a woman is. My goodness. Get penalized if you say boy or girl. Deception, deep darkness, the people. Oh boy. (laughs) Well, look what the next words say. When that happens, the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And because of that, he goes on to say, the Gentiles, the unbelievers shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you, your sons. Hallelujah shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I first went to Bulgaria, when communism fell and the wall came down, and we were there, and the first big meeting we had, we had 3,000 people in this meeting, Bulgarians who never heard the gospel, atheists, 
And we're standing up there and Reza Asafa, a friend of mine, is preaching the gospel. And I'm watching this. And he's, he, he gets to the end and he invites people to come to Jesus. If you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, stand up and come forward. Everybody stood up and started to come. He said to his interpreter, stop, stop, stop. He said, you didn't interpret it right. Tell them to sit back down. He goes, I just said what you said. So he, he tells them all to sit back down. So then Reza goes all over it again. If this is the first time, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him tonight and you want to be saved and changed, then stand up on your feet and come forward. All 3,000 people got up again. And Reza looks at me and goes, this is revival, brother. I said, amen. This is what we're going to see. This is what we're going to see when the glory is on us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third thing is that there will be an increase in miracles and healings and signs and wonders. We've heard about this. We've heard about it so much, we're kind of like, oh, brother, we're going to hear this again? When's it going to happen? Well, the problem is you're looking out there for it, but you need to look here. That's where it starts. Amen? That's where the change begins, in you and in me. Amen? Four, the last one, is that as the glory increases in our lives, the ability, the ability to hear his voice and obey it will increase. We see this in Isaiah when the glory filled the temple. In Isaiah chapter 6, you get down to verse 8 and it says, Isaiah says, I heard the voice, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Lord, here I am, send me. It doesn't say that the Lord said to Isaiah, but because of the glory, Isaiah was able to hear what was being spoken in heaven. And he responded with, here I am. God wants us to have the ability to hear what's spoken in heaven. Conversations in heaven. And our hearts responding and saying, use me, Lord. Send me. Here I am. Let's stand together. Isaiah, or Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, The glory of this latter temple, the latter temple is you and me. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this house... He says, in this place, I will give peace. Listen to me. We want to see the enemy shaken. We want to see the enemy stopped and supernatural doors open. Amen? We want to see the harvest drawn in like never before. Amen? We want more miracles, healings, and signs and wonders than we've ever seen before. Amen? And we want to see or hear God's voice and be quick to obey. Amen? And all that comes because of the glory upon us. Amen? You are made for this, my friend. It's not just something we hope for, maybe one day, someday. No, you were created for it. This is the voice. This is the word of the Lord to you tonight. God made you for his glory for his presence and Jesus said just believe on me 
and out of you, out of your heart, will flow rivers of living water. Amen? A word spoken, a hand, a touch, a prayer, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to speak this over you tonight. I want to pray this over you tonight for a greater increase of the glory of God on your life. Amen? And that there be a release of those rivers. That everywhere you go, when you wake up in the morning, you, you know that this day, I'm taking the rivers with me. Hallelujah. Because I'm the temple. Father, I thank you right now for every person in this place. I thank you for those listening by internet. I thank you for the temples, the houses that you've built and that you're building so that your glory and your presence, Father, would be manifest and flow out from us into a world so desperate for healing and life and freedom. God, I'm speaking now. I'm calling the rivers forth out of these temples, these houses. In the hearing of my voice, I'm calling these rivers to come forth. Rise up, hallelujah, and flow in the name of Jesus with no fear, no intimidation, but in the love of God. We bring him, manifest him to everyone we come in contact with. In the name of Jesus, I declare it over this body as a body for great rivers, mighty rivers to flow of your life from this place, from this place, from this gathering in Jesus' name. Help us to see it. Open our eyes, Father. Anoint our eyes to see. Hallelujah. And help us not to lose it, Father. Holy Spirit, put it deep in our soul. Put it deep in our spirits. God, that we know who we are. That we know what you've made us to be. That we have a purpose. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Can we just pray a little bit in the Spirit here before we leave? Sukurabashe brandore kese blongota lamando dele babase ke dele debo papa palalama gete zando la bashiki dilibirioto brandando la manda la gete le basso kudete de bata la kete oh redete brambo sata breda so radica daca sebo baba kete oh redekete de diete nando la manda Hallelujah. Father, I pray wherever affections have been stolen or redirected, I pray that it come back to you in the name of Jesus. I pray for repentance, Lord God, where affections have been set in the wrong place our loves. God, I pray for repentance right now in the name of Jesus, that we would set our affections, our heart, our love on you again and on you alone in the name of Jesus. Bring us back, Father. God, help us. 
Help us, Lord, in Jesus. Set us free from all the stuff and the lie of the enemy that would try to show us that this is better or that's better. It's not. It only produces death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the truth that sets us free. And I'm telling you, reject the lies of the enemy. However they come, believe the truth that you heard tonight and walk in a new freedom. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.